Welcome to SKUcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs in the promotional products industry. SKUcast shines a light on our industry's best work, features maverick personalities, and discusses what's really involved in running a modern promotional products business. SKUcast is the official podcast of Common SKU. ImageSource is an $18 million company with 45 employees and 20 years of experience based out of Seattle, Washington. Led by the dynamic team, Brian Hayner, Jeff Holt, and our guest today, Tom Gose. You might know Tom from his tenure as the chairman of the board for PPAI, the industry's largest trade association. I've always valued Tom's candor and his willingness to encourage business owners, leading by example and sharing from his experiences. Around the, the early 2000s, we had just some phenomenal orders, you know, seven-figure orders that really defined us, and they challenged us, too. They had certain compliance requirements. They had certain um, levels of their marketing department and, and their event marketing planners that made us step up and, and challenged us as a company to rise, and, and we did. I think at those times you can either, you know, sink or swim, and I think that really defined us. It was uh, a time where we really turned the corner and became, I think, more of a professional organization. I'm Bobby Lehu, the Chief Content Officer at CommonSkew, and with me is Mark Graham. We meet up with Tom at the Northwest Promotional Marketing Association, where we sit down in the middle of the trade show floor and discuss topics including financing your business, growth, overcoming self-doubt, what makes a good partnership, and more. How did you get into this business? Well, it's interesting. I think like most, I stumbled into the business. I met my business partner, uh, Brian Hainer, and... uh, I didn't know what he did. I, I asked him what he did, and he, you know, he so, said he sold promotional products. I had no idea what that was. Were you at an event? Were you just you just knew him? Through through um, um, a friend, yeah, and uh, and it was interesting, you know, because he sold a million dollars, and I and I was like, wow, he sells a million dollars of pens. How you know, I I don't really get this. You know, what what is this industry? Um, I was graduating from the University of Washington Business School. Um, in a degree in, in marketing and management, and so and Brian was, was a few years ahead of you professionally. Yeah, he was uh, he was the vice president of adventures and advertising before it was a franchise, okay. and it was about a five million dollar distributorship, and uh, and so I was very interested in the business. It fit right into um, what I enjoyed, and but I didn't understand it. Right, it was like I just don't understand what this is. You know, it's sometimes magical that these logo products just appear out of yeah. nowhere yeah. and um, and then I'm also a numbers guy so I you know I was interested in the compensation side like oh, you know what's the margins and how are you paid and and right. it took me about nine seconds to figure out wow I think <laughs> I think I could sell and I think this might be an industry that I could thrive at and so I went to work for adventures in advertising um, with Brian and and sold there and it was a great experience for me um, and then they franchised, so we literally closed that office down and opened, uh, we went, actually went to work for uh, Bob Waldorf with Idea Man, and he was a great mentor for me. And this was based out of where? Um, they, so we were still in Bellevue, Washington at the time, okay. but uh, right. they, were, they were based in L.A., and they were open. They had 13 offices, and so we opened an office for Idea Man in, in Bellevue, and, and that was a great experience for me to learn from Bob and, and these top performers I had 75 salespeople and they were doing you know four million three million two million one million dollar producers left and right and that, and that you, you aspire to see those people who are at the top of the game and yep. and 
and you know as I started you know selling and increasing my book of business um, you know moved up in those ranks um, so it was a really good experience for me uh, uh, Halo ended up buying idea man at that time and, and so it was I had a bit in in my first two years of business you know um, in this industry I worked for adventures and advertising idea man and halo so it was a it was, an, it was an interesting ride during yeah. that time. How long, what's that growth. time period? What's that, like 10 years? Are we talking 15 years? So that was in, I started in this business uh, January 2nd, 1997. And that all happened, those three companies happened within the first two years. And none by my choice, right? First two years. Two years, the business, yeah. Wow. So, um, <laughs> you know, Brian and I were, uh, were uh, um, starting Image Source. By, I joined in March of 1999, so it was a real places. So you guys, you launched Image Source. Yep. And that was easy, no problems at all, because you already had existing clients. Well, yeah, <laughs> not really. I mean, I was still pretty young in the business. Um, uh, Brian had actually left a little early and started Image Source. And I'm fishing for tension here. Yeah, 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 yeah totally. Yeah. Um, you know, nothing's nothing's easy in that, especially when you're new to the business. But I knew I want, I'm an entrepreneur-minded person, um, and I, I, I aspired to be a business owner. It's something I really wanted. Um, I didn't know if I would. Sometimes journeys lead you to different places. Yeah. Um, but it did. We, you know, we, we partnered and opened an office, just the two of us, in the uh, beginning of 1999. And, you know, we did everything, order entry, order follow-up. You know, in that day, we would do camera-ready art and tape it up and, you know, be a pile of FedExes going out. Put it between yeah. the cardboard, make no, sure yeah. it didn't get damaged. Yeah. yeah. There would be, you know, you know, a dozen FedExes going out overnight, you know, every day. And, and that was a great learning experience for us, too. I did every part of the business, really. Uh, we hired our first employee in August of 1999, Nancy Waters. She's still with us today. Uh, which you know, which is awesome, and wow. and grew the business that way. And so I, I, I feel like that was the right way for us, our journey. Um, and we're still selling. We're we're still selling principles in a way. I mean, we we don't you know, um, do much of the selling, but I'm still out pitching clients, and so is Brian. And 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 I think that keeps us grounded. It keeps us connected. Um, you know, I, I think it's important. First time I walked into your office, I don't know if you remember you remember this. The first time I walked into your office, I was here for a client event, and I was speaking at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And I walked in your office, that. and you had this huge duffel bag, and you had sports bottles and cups hanging out of it. And I remember thinking, here's this beautiful, great, big facility. Here's these guys running this multi-million dollar distributorship. And I said, what's with the bag? You saw I just went and saw a client. Yeah, oh, still carrying the bag. Yeah, yeah, still carrying the bag. I thought that yeah. was kind of cool. Yep, yeah, absolutely. You know, you got you to gotta slough the merchandise. I still, you know, make sure I have a nice trunk, you know, space, and I can... Uh, can carry shirts, hats, mugs, pens, you name it. Tom Ghost, Trunk Slammer. <laughs> yeah. So I'm curious about the dynamic in your partnership with Brian. Yeah. How, uh, two questions, how do you make your partnership work? Yeah. And what is the area of the business that you focus on, Tom, versus yeah. the part of the business that Brian focuses on? Yeah, well, I, I think a partnership's a marriage. And, uh, and I've seen a lot of marriages fail I've seen a lot of partnerships fail but you have to go in with that mindset yep. you know it's it's a commitment to that level um, so it's very difficult and there's times that you know we're challenged by each other um, and we're very different people right um, and that's maybe the role differences at first we both did everything in fact probably for the first 10 years we both did everything we just made co-decisions if right. you would um, right, right, and, right. and ran the business and, and as 
the business got bigger, we separated roles and responsibilities based on our skill set and gifts, really. Right. Um, and so, and that really continues to evolve, you know, as we continue to grow. Right. You know, right now we're about an $18 million firm with roughly 45 people. And so, uh, big for the industry, yep. in a sense, you know, but in the, it's still a very small business. Um, so, we, you know, we define our roles and, and responsibilities. But as far as the relationship, you know, we've always had a really good, respectful relationship, right. um, even though we're very different people. Right. And that's part of the gift right. is he thinks very differently than I think. Right. Um, and But we always collectively come together right. and make the decision based on those. So, right. you know, we've so, never had a, a situation where, where we were deadlocked and and couldn't get over it. We've right. always overcome that. So to get more specific, when you talk about the gift that you have versus the gift that Brian has, um, is it fair to say that one is more the left brain and the other is the right brain? Like yeah. Where, yeah. where are you gifted relative to Brian and where do you sometimes uh, disagree with one another? Yeah, well, one, we're both sales people and so right. we, we have that ability. We can both go out and, and close business. Right. Brian loves that aspect of the business and so, you know, he handles our business development. And so, right. you know, he's charged with us going out and finding new sales. And yeah, our, right. our our next top clients and, right. and opportunities and, you know, whales, if you would. And, and that's really what he's out doing and hunting. And, and, right. and he does a lot of our recruiting. It's after you get to a certain size, you need to acquire talent, both yep. in support and sales. And yep, so absolutely. recruiting becomes a, a big part of, of the business. And you, you got to talk to people and get out there. I enjoy that part of it too and so right. that was always a struggle for us is we both love different parts of the business but you really have to separate that out and uh, and drive that so uh, Brian does more of the biz dev now he's in charge of that right um, our biz dev top tier lists um, and and he's in charge of our recruiting efforts right um, we have a VP of sales and marketing I have a VP of finance and ops and they have very defined specific roles as you would right um, and my job is really to run the business so the the Operational side, yep. operational and HR, finance side. Right. Yeah, make, make some of those decisions to, right. to keep us on track financially. Um, you know, I still probably spend forty percent of my day strategizing with right. sales team members on big opportunities, talking to supply chain. I manage our supply chain from an owner level. Um, we have a buying group called Reciprocity Road. Um, you know, I say buying group, but you know, it's not really the term that I love to use, but you know, it's right. a Puts shared learning group. Yeah. Right. Um, collective bargaining, if you would. Um, so I spend my time, um, on supply chain, um, our partnership with reciprocity road, run, running the business operational side, finance, right. we have a really strong executive team. So, you know, you know, like any organization, you know, I can't take credit for that really, right. but, um, right. Someone has to answer to that. We own our building, so there's a right. real estate side oh, that, that I manage. We have seven tenants in the building as well, so right. you know there's different aspects. Um, oftentimes, I feel very randomized. You know, it's like I do so many little things good right. and not many um, things great at times. So yeah. you know, that's always a you know. Yeah, it's, uh, I love the fact that there's like a big party going on around yeah. us right yeah. now. It's right. like, you, you, you know, it seemed like a marching band. Just <laughs> Maybe it's uh, Tom's. And anyways, I appreciate that answer yeah. and, and, and for also getting specific because I think there's um, 
a, a lot of partnerships that don't work. And I yeah. think the fact that you do have so much in common, but the fact that at the end of the day, you can focus on operations where Brian can focus more on sales means that you're not always stepping on one another's toes. Yeah. I also ask that because I'm in business, in both my businesses with Catherine, my wife, yeah. and we have very shared personality traits, yep. um, but also quite different. Yep. And if we didn't have that, we'd be stepping on, on one another's toes and it would be a real challenge. And you separate so. your roles based on your gifts? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You've got it. So there's no question. There's a lot of um, coming together strategically to think about the vision of the business and where we're going to go. Yeah. But um, it, it, the, the worst parts of our partnership is when one second guesses um, the decision of someone else if it's outside of their area of expertise. Yeah. So if I'm, even though I know certainly a lot about finance and operations, if I'm second guessing something uh, in that particular area uh, yeah. and it's not productive, then I can, that can get me in a lot of trouble. And conversely, in something sales, marketing, branding, community, product, yeah. that's my area. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I think that's where you know both both Brian and I try try not to. Um, carry any baggage on that you know we challenge each other at times but it's it comes from a you know a, a place, place of, of love. love yeah <laughs> exactly and so 18 million in sales 40 yeah. 40 employees roughly. Yeah, 45 yeah uh, 45 employees how many years now is is, is image source so we'll be 20 years coming up yeah next year take us through a few high water marks and low water marks in your journey in 20 years yeah and that, i guess that you can go any direction with that is that yeah. gross sales is that this but probably gross sales follows that yeah. trajectory yeah well i think um like I, and i even think back to when i started in just sales right it's like the those times where it's like the sink or swim you know i remember getting a uh, a pen order from microsoft it was 10,000 pens and it and it came at a perfect time right um, you know, I was building my book of business, but I had some orders go bad and I was kind of taken back by that. Um, I, I you know, kind of see myself as a warrior, a fighter. I fight through things, but sometimes you have self-doubt and self-talk. And I was like, How, I, I really need to overcome these adversities. And, and, and I got this pen order and it was just at the right time, right? And the watermark for my sales life. And I think that's the same thing in the business. You know, uh, Microsoft's our largest client and we're blessed to have them really since, you know, uh, uh, the start of our business and, you know, uh, around, you know, the, the early 2000s, we had just some phenomenal orders, you know, seven figure orders that really defined us and they challenged us too. You know, they, they, they had certain compliance requirements. They had, you know, um, you know, certain, um, you know, levels of their marketing department and and their event marketing planners that made us step up and and challenged us as a company to rise and uh and, and we did i think at those times you can either you know sink or swim and i think that really defined us it was uh, a time where we really turned the corner and became i think more of a professional organization and and I think clients continue to do that to us in different areas, right? You know, company stores and um, how we do our marketing, our go-to-market strategies, and, and they define us. So, um, you know, I remember, I think it was a, a, a Windows 2003 launch, and it was, you know, a couple million dollar order. Um, in fact, that year I did like three and a half million with Microsoft. And that was in 2003. I mean, that was a great, it was a great year for us. And it was really a turning point, I think, for the business where we really launched, hired some people, yeah. kick-started our growth. Um, 
I think we had 10 employees and I think we did $6.6 million somewhere around that 2003, 2004. It was a great number back, you know, you know, those numbers work really well if you could, you know, balance out the staff to sales ratios, you know. Were you about to say you made more money then than you did? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you, you saw me stop yeah. saying that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think so it's true. I do think it's true. Revenues feed egos, profits feed families, like you said. There you go. I think that, you know, I know that to be true. You know, that, that was a, a, a really special year. But we had quite a few, couple of those years where we just had some real strong growth. We've always had steady growth. Yeah. Um, you know, in fact, it, if you look at our sales, you know, except for the, you know, Recession. depression of, you know, 2008, 9, 10, um, you know, we've had steady growth since our inception. We've never had exponential growth or loss. So that's always been a um, something we pride ourselves in. Right. Yeah. You guys have uh, an impressive culture. Yeah. Uh, I've been there. I've actually had one of the finest dining experiences in my life. <laughs> In your warehouse, actually, <laughs> yeah. it actually was in a, in a little showroom off your warehouse. Yeah, yeah. But to that this day, it was truly one of the coolest experiences I've ever had. Definitely in a warehouse. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was cool. So you guys have you have an impressive culture. You work hard at it. Yes, we Can do. Can you share some of the things that you do to build culture? Like, why is why is that impact? How has that impacted your brand? Yeah. Why is it important? And what are these small things that you're doing to help cultivate it? Yeah. Well, I think it always starts with hiring based mm-hmm. on culture. And it's easy to get sucked into hiring based on performance. It's like, oh, I got this million-dollar producer or this superstar support person. Um, but if they don't fit the culture of the organization, you know, it's going to create a ripple yeah. um, throughout the entire organization. So we've really done, I think, an excellent job of hiring based on culture. And sometimes that means, you know, interviewing with us five or six times. We've... Um, you know, pe- people joke about it. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, this person's on their sixth interview, and 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 it's not six interviews with me. You know, it's throughout the organization. So we let other people participate in that throughout the organization. So everyone gets um, a sense of who this person is and how they would fit within the company. So yeah. um, I think that's very important. Um, and then it's really about the people. And we, you know, we've won some best workplaces awards throughout yeah. the years. Um, and, and again, we pride ourselves on that. And it's not an easy thing to do. We, we, I think, you know, you, culture is given directionally at the top, but it's really a bottom up. And um, we have a, a culture committee. We call it Culture Club. You know, after the movie. And we also have a community committee where we do outreach on the, you know, pay it forward side. And um, I've told this story before. You know, I was l- sat in on that as an owner. I sat in on that. Uh, committee it was so important to me culture right. yeah and um and i missed one of the meetings and 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 they told me i think it was nancy who's who's yeah. who our first employee who's who's very honest with me said it was our best meeting ever <laughs> i was like there you go oh. sorry tom yeah i don't know if to be offended or you know yeah. feel good about this yeah. and and it was just they looked to me to make the answers um and when they were empowered to make them themselves yeah, um, the yeah they they could do their own thing and so then i remove myself and and let them create that culture and part of it is not just the events we put on and and benefits we provide but it's you know who we are you know in our dna but a lot of things are you know we we try to we're seattle and portland we try to make a a fun work environment so you know we have a work from home program so one day a week our support team members are allowed to work from home 
Um, Brian and I, on an anniversary of everyone's uh, date of hire, we, we sign a wine bottle. Um, right. And they have this cool years of, years of service plaque that we have on, on right. everyone's office. Right. Um, we do this thing called cart service where um, the team goes around, the uh, culture club goes around and, you know, provides drinks or, wow, awesome. you know, you know root beer floats or, or something. It's unexpected, like just one day. It's cart service. Right. Uh, we do things like when you hit your, our goal, we have monthly goals for the organization, and we all contribute to that. If we hit that goal, we get the, a half-day Friday the next yeah. Friday. Wow. Um, so different incentives, and, and, and we do a lot of different things um, are built around that, a lot of events. And, uh, and it's evolving, too. Culture's never stagnant. It's growing or declining, and so uh, we work work really hard the team works really hard on that um it's about caring and empathy and um you know a work family and and i think that's really the root of culture and it's been a little more difficult as we grow especially with remote offices we've we struggled we failed honestly at our remote offices and um, just recently we were we created um a, a remote package so quarterly we send out something to all the people who are outside of our corporate office right and right. they get this surprise package not so surprising anymore especially after this podcast but uh, <laughs> they get it every quarter and it's something fun right. and on their birthday they, they we get, we send them something special that's meaningful to them we had them answer a questionnaire of you know kind of who they are and what they do and and uh and so they get something that's personal to them and, and someone's assigned to them mm. kind of their secret santa if you would and yeah, right um and so, and we do fun, crazy things. Right now, we're doing March Swagness. It's a basketball tournament with a, a little tykes basketball hoop, okay. and it's very serious. It's bracketed. Um, employees play each other, and uh, and then you you know it's also there's two prizes: one for for winning the the basketball right. tournament, but also for winning the bracket. Right. Um, so just you know a lot of different events like that right. where where um, we think you know it creates a good work environment because right. you know it's home. You know, right. I mean, you you tend to spend often more time right. at work than you do in your home right. you know, besides sleep. So it's it's important that w- we have fun, but we also are performance-driven. Right. Yeah. That's right. a tough balance at times. If I, if in the session I was doing yesterday, I talked about um, uh, the ability to spot your ideal client across a crowded room. Like you'd be yeah. able to look at them and say, that's my client. Can you tell me what the ideal image source employee looks like? Yeah. Um, to, to maybe get into some of the more specifics around the culture that you have. So you talk about the fun side of it, but also this very high performance, high expectation culture as well. How do you combine those so that you're not getting the wrong people coming yeah. to work at ImageSource? Well, I can tell you it's not a perfect science. I mean, we've, we've failed plenty, yeah. you know. Um, but I do think, you know, uh, we have a good track of, of what we're looking for. And part of that is d- uh, people interviewing for different aspects of the business, right. you know. Um, it, you know, s- someone's looking at culture and someone's looking at performance and someone's, you know, you know, looking at, you know, how they might fit into the accounting team or, yep. you know, the sales support team. So, um, you know, it, I would say it's more gut than science. Right. And that's always sure. a frustrating thing for me because <laughs> I want it to be like be to summit, yes, and it's yeah. I, I can't quantify. I have a hard time telling you even exactly what that looks like, but I know when I see it just like you said, I know what my client looks like from across the room and they right. know what yeah. I look like and yeah. and 
Um, definitely that empathy element of it. Um, we like the warrior aspect, people who, you know, um, can get up when they're knocked down. This right. is sales, and sometimes it's, it requires you to work hard and, and yeah. travel through adversity, and, and, and that's always uh, a challenge at times right. for, for people, including support team members. Right. Uh, but interpersonal skills are very important. Everything is team-based in, in our organization, so the outside salesperson is partnered with a support person, right. and then you know they work with marketing and, and accounting and the executive team, and so you have to be able to collaborate. Right. That's an important element of, of our business, and you have to be able to work with suppliers and work with customers. We treat right. our, our suppliers like partners, and, right. and so if they don't have that vision right. with, with them, right. you know, we won't take them. It's, it's, it right. really has to have that partnership aspect. So. It's a lot of different elements that, that really go into that. And, right. that. and that's why we have so many people involved. Right. You know, we want to make a really good decision. It's, it's so painful to have a bad hire. Yeah, well, it costs a lot of money. That's it costs sure. a lot of money. And, so, yeah. and it's, it's a lot of heartache, you know. Um, and, and we've done very well. I'm re- really proud of that. But, you know, we've also just, you know, made, made some hiring mistakes. Right. Let's shift gears a little bit. I'm curious about your you 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 just finished your tenure as chairman of the board PPAI. Mm. Yep. And uh, I'm curious what you thought about the industry going into that role. Yeah, yeah great question. And then what you think about the industry now after because you that that's a unique position in that you got to visit with arguably more distributors than anyone else would normally ever get to. Yeah. You saw more offices, you saw more supplier factories, you saw more distributorships, you went overseas. You just saw a lot in that yeah. tenure. Yeah. What was the what did you think before you went in about the industry and now what do you think after having been involved? Well when I went in I saw you know, you, you think you know everything about the industry or most everything. I mean I, I our industry's unique. There's so many you know, different products and, and supplier partners and the, the distributor side have so many different go-to-market strategies. It's somewhat endless, right? Um, but I really thought I knew most of it. I, th- right. I thought I had a handle on it. And, and the board experience and being chairman of the board really brought, you know, enlightened me, right? Oh, it was, sure. it was a, you know, a, a master's in promotional products uh, within that tenure. And not just the chairman side, but, but even leading up to that, you know, lucky to have such a strong board learning and sharing from from those people um, I've said it before on um, on stage is I think you you get more than you give and I truly believe that I think I I gained more than than I gave uh, as a board member and as a chairman of the board um, Paul and I flew well I flew 75,000 miles last year I spoke in the Hong Kong gift and premium fair um, the British Promotional Marketing Association show in London, um, PPPC in, in, in Toronto, Toronto. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, all around the United States, of course, uh, SAC and Expo East and, and yeah. g- got to visit member members. Uh, so, you know, it, it was amazing experience and I learned a lot um, as far as like, what do I what I thought before and, and what do I think now? Um, you know, it's it's sort of like being given the keys you know, to, to, to the car. I, mm. I, I, it, it did scare me a little bit, you know. Well, how do you mean, why? Um, I just, you know, the industry's fragile. Yeah. You know, I saw that. You know, yeah. there, there's a lot of aspects of the business that, you know, um, product safety and, you know, um, disintermediation and, and those those things are real. Yeah. You know, I've had, I've had a conversation with, uh, you know, the, the president CEO of a top 40 supplier that said, you know, you know, if the collapse happened, we have a, you know, we'll go to 
consumer direct. You know, right. there, there's those conversations. They're yeah, they're planning for it. Um, those are scary things because you think our model and our structure is so strong. And um, in a way it is, but in a way it's very fragile. Um, there, there's a lot of different elements that are at risk in, yeah. in, in, how, in how our industry is put together. Right. It used to be, you know, hidden codes, you know, A, B, C, D, and, and then, you know, right. people figured that out. We, we went really rogue and went PQRS and, you know. <laughs> right, yeah, so there I, you go. And, and now it's, you know, you can, you know, do a Bing search. I know Bing, uh, Microsoft guy. You can do a Bing search. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, and look up anything, right? And, and you know, the, the website of, you know, the business, uh, you know, s- scares everyone. And you, you got a lot of uh, macro environmental factors. You have demographic shifts that are occurring within, you know, our industry and the overall market. Um, you have globalization. You have, you know, Alibaba who can sell. They can jump our entire chain and go to an end user. Um, you know, you have 3D printing. You, there's a lot of things that are that are evolving. It's not just our industry; it's any industry. And you know, you can call it disruption. You know, unless you're doing it, then you call it innovation. And 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 I've right. seen a lot of that. And I got to experience some pretty cool um, uh, disruptors. You know, and, and got to talk to a few of those. And for me, you know, ha- as I bring that back to my company and Image Source, and, and how do we go to market? Do we do it any differently? I thought there was some, there was some, a lot of learning there. Um, I still feel very comfortable where we're at. Um, you know, the, the industry is, you know, PPI numbers, 86% of the distributors to under a quarter million dollars in sales. We're, we're, we're an industry of not small business, but very, very small business. Right. And the barrier to entry is, is low, but it's getting higher, right? It's, it's harder to compete just jumping in the industry as a small distributor or a small supplier. You know, there's uh, PPI's number 76% of the suppliers do under a million dollars in sales. Um, those people, you know, they should be thinking about product safety, but there might be a two-man show running a printing machine out of their garage. They're, they're just thinking about survival. Get the um, next order. Out yeah. Are, are you more hopeful about the uh, industry after that experience? Less hopeful? How did it change? What you're taking back to image source, and did it did it change any strategic direction? Yeah, yeah. I, I think I'm more hopeful. Um, I'm worried about some of the folks in the industry because I think you know um, there are shifts and changes that are going to occur, and they are going right. to disrupt the industry. To think it's you know going to stay the same. What, what what kind of folks are you concerned about? I would say the small distributor and small supplier are, are at risk. You see a lot of M and A going on. You you know you see a lot of affiliates happening. Um, um, and that makes sense to me, uh, both on the supplier and the distributor side, um, at least the M&A. Um, you know, it's, it's just a little harder to conduct the business than I think it was. Right. And, uh, and you know, I think there's going to be continued, you know, disruption and innovation within the market. And, uh, and but I'm hopeful for, for my company, Image Source, and I think it, it crystallized a bit for me. You know, I had felt like should I have an online presence? You know, it's like you, you hear about the demographic shifts and the millennials buy online and, and that's how they go to market. And so I was torn, like, sh- should we have some right. type of online uh, go to market, whether it's a product category, you know, um, you know, should I launch, you know, cheapmugs.com or, 
you know, we did this casinoswag.com. It's, you know, do I take a vertical, right. a product vertical, an yeah. industry vertical, and take it online and try to own it? Yeah. And I really learned that's a race to the bottom, right? Yeah. And if you're not first, you know, everyone knows who's the, you know, number one search, you know, when you bring it out. But no one knows even number two. Well, yeah. I would probably be 112, right? right. Really? Yeah. Right. So... You know, I, I think for us, it really defined that, you know, we're, we've always been a creative merchandise agency, right? Um, you know, we solve a marketing need with a tangible promotional product. And, and, right. we, and we, you know, we do it by being a consultative selling agency. Right. And I really doubled down on that. And I shared that with my team. Like, we, we really have to own this, right? right? Um, this is who we are. And, uh, but I don't want to be foolish and, you know, this is who we are and I'm going to ride it down to the ground. It's, 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 we've have to double down on what makes us different. And part of that is identifying the clients that, that see value in that. Right. You know, if, if they want to go and transact online through someone who's going to save themselves a penny, they might not be our best client. We might still do some business with them, you know, um, but we need to spend our time on clients that see value in that. And right. a lot of us, the blue chip companies, the mid to large size companies who, who you know, they, they really see value in, you know, finding someone who's going to think through, you know, how it will be distributed and right. who the target audience is and what did they do last year and how they're going to measure the impact right. of this campaign and who can work with their ad agency and their right. event planners. And, and we can be involved in that process. That's, that's us. Right. Um, so, you know, that, that's the direction we're heading. It crystallized for me in that for now, right. you know. Um, but I, I felt the past, past few years, I felt this pressure of having an online presence. And right. after the chair um, role of PPI, it really crystallized that, you know, we really need to own who the we space are. you're in. Yeah. Right. Uh, Tom, I know that you've been uh, very curious in exploring different marketing techniques in terms of how you brand yourself at ImageSource. Yeah. I'm curious to know what the edge is for you and what edge you will not go over when it comes to certain marketing tactics and practices at ImageSource when uh, when it comes to getting the word out about your company. Yeah, yeah, and I think we, we've... Um a third of my sales force and a third of my support overall employees are millennials. And right. I think that's re- really been a positive thing for us. We recruit out of the business school in, in our area. And, um, and I think when I started in this industry, we wore suit and tie and we were very buttoned up. And, uh, right. and, and again, it's Seattle, Portland market. You know, we, we can be a little more relaxed, both in our dress, but also in our marketing. And, and, right. I, and I think I've been um, pushed into you know, becoming more of an edgy, fun, creative agency in, in our marketing. Right. And, and I love that. And so I think over the last, you know, three or four years, we've, you know, one sort of the evolution of the medium, we do a lot more videos, right? And we do a lot more, more around our culture, even mm-hmm. for our clients. You right. know, um, if you look at our videos now, they're, they're, Hardly any of them are product focused. We right. did we did a couple talking head videos and we we're like, oh my gosh, those right. are so bad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's Brian and I. It's like, hi, I'm Tom Ghost, president of Image Source, and this, you know, you look back at those and go, oh wow, yeah. you, oh, you got to try them. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, we do a lot more of, of edgy stuff. We have this swag cat, and um, and Paul Bellantone and I have joked about you know swags. You know, we lobby in in, in on the hill, and and swag's a hard thing to lobby over, right? Yeah. You know, just the acronym of it yeah, is yeah, not yeah. good, but my clients, you know, to me swag, 
right? You know, um, yeah. so it's a positive term. It's 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 not a negative thing. And so we we did the swag kitty, you know, and it's this mm. funny cat with this, you know, different swag logos and 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 I was like, wow, interesting, you know. But but I loved it. It really took life, right? Mm. And we put it on a lot of our products, and, and I've shown Paul. He just shakes his head like, "Oh right. my God, this is you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, this yeah. is different. well." He'll never understand. You know, <laughs> Please don't bring this to the right? Don't bring this to the hill, yeah, you know. Yeah. But but that's the fun <laughs> brand personality that 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 our clients want. They want us to be fun and creative, and right. and part of that is taking marketing to the edge. And and there are times that um, my team will bring me something. Um, and it's over the edge. And a lot of that's around our blue chip clients. You know, right. you think of uh, Microsoft or Nintendo or Boeing. And, and uh, you know, we have to be respectful to our audience and understand who, who, sure. who they are. Yeah, you're smart to yeah. Yeah. keep that in mind. Yeah. Uh, but, but I like to push the edge because, you know, our clients like to see a fun agency. You know, right. they, they don't necessarily want, you know, their branded merchandise agency to be, you know, very conservative and, you know, just offering core conservative ideas we want to be edgy and we want them to see us as fun and so if you look at our video our youtube page it's fun videos you know um parodies and you know and and we encourage every account executive to do a video a month right um and a lot of it's just sometimes it can be something product focused but fun and creative we do a lot with music my marketing manager uh sings so there's some fun music tie-ins to to what we do um but it, it's fun. I love it. it and I, I'll tell you, it wasn't me pushing us to that. It was me Them being pushed. Yes. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that's about making good hiring decisions on right. on people who will take us there. You yeah. know, um, I won't naturally take take us there myself, which right. is why we don't need yeah. 40 Toms. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. Um, you have this is this is a little known fact. I don't know how many people know this. I think in the Pacific Northwest, people know this. You have one of the most successful in user shows in the business am i yeah. is that hyperbole i think that's true How, tell yeah. us the numbers yeah i mean i've heard that uh, you know um i think you know uh, we, we get about 550 end users that's um, a big show yeah it's, it yeah. makes us one of the large i think the second largest regional in yeah. in the country but uh yeah it's it's and it, it, we spend a lot of money um putting that show on a lot of time and effort but right. we, we think it you know it really speaks to our brand it's and always hard to measure ROI we've tried to measure it we've used codes and nice you know I can that. actually yeah. yeah I can do it on an ERP I can say if we got something from you know the show enter it in but I think it's really more about um, a brand experience right, right? and now, now I, I'm going to ask a question that yeah. most people just want to ask right now yeah how did you do that 500 end users are coming to your show yeah how did you do that yeah well it's our this is I think last year was our 12th so you know you start out with 20 yeah then it's 40 and then it's (laughs) 100 yeah we work hard to do it and and we learn something every single time Um, you know you have to have a compelling reason why they want to leave their office especially in Seattle and drive through traffic to come see it and so you know we've done circus themes where we have stilt walkers and palm readers wow Um, you know We've had, you know, uh, we've done Swagtoberfest last year, so we had microbrewers there. Um, obviously, good supplier partners, um, you know, g- good promotional product, you know, giveaways that, that they know will be cool. Uh, but it adds value to their business, and I think that's why, it, you know, they won't come if it's just fun. I mean, that's just the reality. They have yeah. to see value in it. Yeah. Um, I've heard suppliers say that you have customers that show up that are ready to buy. Yeah. 
which is yeah. different than just folks that wanted to get away from the office for yeah. tire pickers. Yeah. yeah, we have these tech. You know, there's a lot of techniques we try to do to, to actually get them in the door, and and uh, and it's hard. It takes a lot of effort from the entire team is to really continue to push the customer, remind them. You know, something comes up that day of, and they, you know. They won't come, or if it rains, I mean, there's a lot of just factors that you yeah. just hope, geez, you know, yep. hope it's a good day. We have a, you know, we do it in a, a convention center venue now because we have so many people. And, and you know, we learn from our failures, you know, whether it's at registration or, you know, the palm reader that one year was like giving negative palm reading. <laughs> and we're like, oh no, like, you know, right, right. you just learn from those experiences. Right. We did on-site screen printing last year and that pe- people really love that. Actually yeah. seeing the process yeah, yeah, of yeah. it. Sure. We've brought in celebrities. We've done uh, as a marketing conference where people could sit down and, and learn marketing techniques. Uh, we've done fashion shows. Yeah. You know, we've yeah. done golf experiences, yeah, fittings. I mean, all, we, tr- we try it all. And then I think one of the things we do is we, we try something new every year. We just swing. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Sometimes you'll miss, but you know, yeah. other times exactly. you'll connect. Yeah. Use that metaphor a lot. I think because I, you get... You have an athletic background. Yeah. Brian, there's like this athletic DNA that goes through your business, right? Yeah, I mean, you guys yeah, are yeah. like hardcore athletes. Yeah. You can see that come out in your DNA in terms of your metrics and measurement goals. I mean, there's this real ambitious factor to your business model yeah. uh, that it's fueled, I think, by your offline activities. You're a triathlete, yep. right? Yep. Right. Triathlete and a duathlete. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, you know, um, as part of that, when I think I mentioned being a warrior, you know, um, it's, you know, I think athletics has taught me a lot growing up. Um, you know, different sports teach you how to fail yeah. and then continue on. And that's sales. That's entrepreneurship. Um, you're going to fail. And if, if, if you're afraid of failure, you know, sales isn't a good spot for you and entrepreneurship isn't a good spot for yep, you. So you, you have to persevere. Um, it's that never quit. I have a, a little, um, you know, Brian and I both have the icons of the never quit, you know, in, in, in different ways, uh, you know, and you see it throughout the organization. Um, but, yeah, the, you know, the, the sports side, we have quite a few athletes, you know, within the organization, too. Yeah. Uh, but many that aren't, that, but still have that same philosophy yeah. of that never quit and, and fight on. So um, sports has always been important to me. Um, just, you know, now and, you know, I'm 45 is just to stay fit and healthy, yep. you know, I, I, but I always need a goal. And so that's why I'm a triathlete and a duathlete is I, I need to, I need to have some type of objective to ob- obtain. Right. Right. Otherwise I might just, you know, flounder a little bit. Yeah. I've, I've got, I've got one question about, um, the future of image source. And, you know, we've talked a lot about M&A and consolidation and we talked about the size of business that you're at. And certainly in the context of the industry, one of the larger distributors at 17, 18 million dollars. Yeah. Um, but it started from, from zero. Yeah. And where, when you look five, 10 years out, do you see yourself as a 50, 75 million dollar distributor? Um, do you see yourself acquiring distributors? Do you see yourself just figuring out your profitability and just making lots of good money as a 17, 18 million dollar distributor for the next couple of years? Yeah. Um, what, 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 what does an ambitious entrepreneur like you, Tom, see for the future of your business? Yeah, I think growth for us is important, you know, and I, and I think especially in, in where we are in the marketplace, it's part of what I think I saw on the chairman side of, from PPAI is, is the companies who are, who are growing um, it's like you're growing or dying, at, yeah. you know. So, you know, I think for us, you know, the economies of scale um, get better with growth. 
Um, and there's times of pain and times of, you know, where you, you the economies of scale re- really um, help you both in profitability yep. and with people, and it's an ebb and a flow. So, you know, we're, we're growing. We want to grow. You know, we don't see us being acquired. You know, we've certainly had people reach out to us, but Brian and I are both pretty young, and, and I don't know what else we'd do, right? right. You know? uh, <laughs> not even employable, I think. Uh, so... You know, we got a lot of life left in us. Right. So, you know, we want to grow the organization. You know, I think fifty million dollars is is a good number. I don't I don't really see us as a two hundred million dollar company. We, re, you know, it's it's a different thing. Yep. And and that really goes to who your customer is. Yep. And that's been a real real interesting exercise for us as we've grown. Is the customer was always the client. You know, mm-hmm. we're almost to that point where my customer is my salesperson. Yeah. Right. right. If yep. you're if you're hiring salespeople and yeah. you're servicing them. Yeah. yeah. So that's a, it's a real interesting you know change and uh, and uh, and so you know for us as as you know we continue to grow I think I think it's you know it's smart for us to to stay on the track that we're on which is you know that we've had some small acquisitions and and we've. We've grown mostly through hiring talented people. It just gets harder to have exponential growth um, over the years just by hiring talented salespeople or mentoring people, you know, through our college program and, and bringing them up. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so, Tom, last question. First of all, thanks for being here. Of course, it's great to have you on. Always uh, good to talk to you, Bobby. Always talking to you. Yeah. Um, how do you, as a young distributor, start out today, finance their business? Is, is affiliating with somebody, a large organization, the only option? I mean, you're a numbers guy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't think so. I mean, there's plenty of banks that will, you know, will bank you on your receivables. You know, it's always tough to start, right? And I think one for us, the success came in con- continual growth. If you have exponential growth, it's a different thing. And I remember even at that time, and uh, as I mentioned early in, in 2003, 2004, we had those big orders. I had to actually go to the bank and get a special loan beyond our line of credit to finance these orders. Right, right. Um, you know, but I think you could be creative, too, with your client base. You yeah. can, um, you know, ask them for deposits. And, and you can really, as long as you pay your suppliers well, you can get really good terms. And, um you know, people are smart with their credit card financing. It, you know, it, if if you really understand numbers, you, you can finance your business traditionally um, with a great bank partner. You know, with a credit card and manage cash flow. Cash flow is king. Right. Um, you know, and and it always hasn't been easy for us. There have been challenges and times. You know, especially in the depression when you know yeah. banks are restricting lines of credit and and you're going through that. But no, I don't think that's the only option. I think that's where a lot of people are going. Right. If you don't have that knowledge, you need to hire someone who does, yeah. or get a mentor. Right. Reach out to someone who has that expertise within you know your network and help yeah. you through that process. And I think that's what most of the industries. Uh, have great salespeople, right? Yeah. You know, um, people can who can go out and and um, you know, you know, storytell and yeah. and 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 really sell product. But do the, can they run a smart business? Right. And when you're starting out, it's you. It's one. Right. And and it's hard to do all of those well. Yeah. And so I've learned over the years, you know, different techniques um, for financing, you know, our growth and our business and. Um, and balancing that out, um, you know. But I think it can be done if you know what you're doing. If you don't know what you're doing, you need to seek help in a mentor, you know, in a partner somewhere because um, that's the first thing that will take you out is cash flow. Wow, that's good. 
Any final words, Tom? Any final questions? Any comments? Uh, well, it's just an honor to t- talk to to you. Yeah, yeah I've, we've we've had me. some great experiences together, and uh, uh, I admire you. I sat through your storytelling uh, session. That. Oh, yeah. it was so good. I I, I Thanks, told you Tom. before this that um, I always grab some nuggets out, and I had some really good nuggets that I'll take back and apply to our business immediately. So, awesome. thanks, man. Yeah. Well, it's been an honor to have you yeah. here on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, take care. Yeah, take care. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Skewcast. Be sure to keep up with our latest content by subscribing to Skewcast on iTunes or to our blog at community.commonskew.com. Until next time, friends. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you.